This is Daf Kaftet in Masechet Ta'anit. We will begin on Daf Kaftet Amud Aleph on the second line of the Amud. Where do we know that on Tisha B'Av it was decreed that our forefathers would not enter the land, meaning with the Chetam Raglim, the sin of the spies, that they weren't going to be able to enter the land that generation. Because it says in the Pasuk, because it says on the first month, in the second year, uh, in the first of the month, meaning the first day of Nisan, in the second year that the Jewish people were in, uh, had exited Mitzrayim, who come a Mishkan, the Mishkan was set up. And the Master said, In the first year, Moshe Rabbeinu constructed the Mishkan. The second year, he set up the Mishkan and sent out the Moraglim. And it says, In the second year, in the second month, meaning, in Iyar, on the 20th of the month, the, the uh, cloud rose from on top of the Mishkan. And it says that they traveled for three days' uh, journey from Har Sinai. And that very day, they turned away from Hashem. Rashi uh, says, because it says, from the mountain of God, so it says, it says the language of Maher, quickly, achshav. Uh, so, that, so, so, uh, meaning what happens? So this is the calculation in the Rashi. He says, when you take the 19 days from the month of Iyar before the, the cloud went up, because the cloud went up on the 20th day, and but what happens? So Pashul, oh Yud. So Jehovah left his tent. Fanu Yud, Ayu Ben Dechshosh Yamim. Vezayin das Gavat Miriam. B'Chodesh Shel Kaftet Yamim Shachlu Basar. Ava Lamitet. So the Gemara is going to do these calculations as we move on. But the Rashi is basically laying out for you the map of where the Gemara is going with this. So we're already holding now at the twentieth. Day of Iyar, uh, of and that's where we're saying the trouble started. And it says that the, uh, the, rabble, the rabble that was in the midst of the Jewish people started to have a desire and they wanted meat. And Bnei Israel also were crying out for meat. And Hashem said, You're going to get for a month, you're going to get meat. So by the time you have uh, those three days of travel, so uh, and then 30 days of the eating of the meat, so now it's the 20. Second day of Sivan, and then right after the incident with the meat was when Miriam spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu and she was isolated from the camp for seven days. So that's already the 29th. And right after that, we have the parasha of Shalach Lecha, where he sent out the Maglim. And in fact, that works out perfectly that it was the 29th of Sivan, according to the Brayta, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu sent the Maglim. They came back 40 days later. So, Right, so so the thing is that they came back at the end of forty days. But if they came back at the end of forty days, then it's going to be nachichadav. It's going to be minus one. In other words, Rashi explains that bet mi sivan. You have two days left of sivan because it's the 29th and the thirtieth. And you have twenty nine in Tammuz. Right, so that so that's lamid aleph. Right, and uh, that's thirty one days. Um, in total, because you have the two days left of Sivan, 29 of Tammuz, and you, uh, uh, right, so then w- that's, that equals 31 days, and that brings you Vachet Me'av, you're gonna have eight days of Av, Haval Lamitet, right, that's really only gonna be, um, 39 days, it's not gonna be 40, right, so the, uh, 
to, to get to uh, Tisha B'Av. Because if you're counting from the 29th of Sivan, so you're counting of two days of Sivan, 29 days of Tammuz, so that's two plus 29 is 31. And then the eight days of, uh, of uh, Av is going to be already uh, 39. And then it's going to be that the 40th day is... Uh, and, you know, you have only 39 days and then the Maraglim come back, come back. They're, they're, they're not going to be gone for 40 days, right? So they're only going to be gone for 39 days, coming back on the 40th, according to that. And that would be Tisha B'Av. So it says, no, you're right. That It must have been that that Tammuz was a, was a 30-day Tammuz. Uh, and the reason why, and then it would work out, because you would have two days of Sivan that they were gone. 30 days of Tammuz that they were gone. That's 32. And then you have eight days of Av that they were gone. That's a full... 40 days of uh, them being gone, and then the 41st day, basically, when they come back, is Tisha B'Av. As it says, that Hashem declared a Mo'ed, a specified time, to break my young men, in other words, for the destruction to happen. And, uh, and it is written that the people raised their voices and they cried on the night that the Maraglim came, and that that was Tisha B'Av. And um, the Bach says, that day was Tisha B'Av. Amar lem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem said to them, Atem b'chitem b'chiyah shel chinam, you cried a crying that was for nothing, because you could have gone into Eretz Yisrael. V'ani kovei lachem b'chiyah dorot, I'm going to make it a crying for all generations. So what we see is that the that year, there were 40 days from the 29th of Sivan till Tisha B'Av. It turned out they came back on Tisha B'Av and the count works out perfectly. How do we know that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, the first Beit HaMikdash was destroyed on Tisha B'Av? So this Pasuk says that on the seventh day of, uh, of Av, which was the 19th year, of um, of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babel, who destroyed the Beit Hamikdash. So then, Bam Nebuzaradan, who was the the Rav Tabachim, was like the general chief executioner, right, who who was coming to to execute the uh, destruction, right? So uh, the, who was the Eved Melech Babel Yerushalayim? This he it should say Eved Melech Babel Yerushalayim. He was the servant of. Uh, of the king of Babel, in uh, he came to Jerusalem and he stood in Jerusalem. Um, the te- on the side it corrects the text that it should say. Uh, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, a different thing. Uh, but in the uh, in the pasuk as it's uh, as it appears on the side of the Gemara, the language is different. It says that uh, that the pasuk should say. Okay, um, in our pasuk, uh, in the pasuk that's quoted on the side of the Gemara, it says that uh, oh, it's it's basically a uh, a squeezing together of the various uh, psukim, because there's a pasuk that says that in the, in the nineteenth year, uh, the that was when Nevuzaradan the Rav Tabachim was in Yerushalayim and they burnt the uh, Beit Hamikdash, but then in another pasuk it says. Uh, that he came Ahmad Lefnei Melech Bavel Yerushalayim. Right, so those are two different psukim, but they're very similar. I see, because my eyes skipped down and I missed that it's it said it twice. Right, in the first one it says, um, in one of them it says that he came and 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 Ahmad Lefnei Melech Bavel Yerushalayim, 
and uh, and that pasuk is in that pasuk it's written on the tenth of the uh, of Av. So so in, in the first pasuk it's quoted in the Gemara where it says that it was the seventh of Av. And then he ran at the So there are two times that it's recorded. In one case, it says that it happened. And that, in, in other words, in one case, it tells us it was on the seventh day of Av, which is in Melachim Bet. And in one case, it says that it was, in, <coughs> it was on the tenth. Av Av in uh, Sefer Yirmiyahu. So which one is correct? Right, that's the question. So it says, It can't say it was the seventh day because it says the tenth. And it can't be the tenth because it says seventh. On the seventh day of Av, the Gentiles entered into the sanctuary of Achlu, the Kilkilubo, and they ate and they destroyed it and desecrated it. Right? And they did that for the seventh and eighth day, but on the ninth day, at the end of the day, they, they uh, set fire to it. And it was burning all day long, all the way through the tenth day, actually. They said, Woe is to us that the day is ended, that the uh, shadows of the evening have turned. Um, that night was, the, it burnt all through the night. <coughs> if I had lived at that time, I would have said that the tenth of Av should have been the fast, not the ninth. Because most of the of the uh, sanctuary was actually burnt on the tenth of Av. The fire started before sunset on the ninth. But the rabbis thought that when it started is the time that you should commemorate. So even though most of the burning actually happened on the tenth. Since it began on the ninth with the lighting of the fire, that's why we commemorate Tisha B'Av on the ninth of Tisha B'Av and not on the tenth of B'Av. You know, on the second Beit Hamikdash, it was also destroyed on the on the ninth of Av. Because we say that a good thing will happen on a good day and a bad thing will happen on a bad day. In other words, since. Uh, <clears throat> once Hashem has designated a certain day for destruction, so it goes back to that day as a day of destruction, just like once Hashem has, uh, has uh, designated a day for good, he'll use that day for other expressions of good. Amru, uh, they said, and what does it say on the side it should say? That day was Tisha B'Av, when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed the first time, it was, uh, an, uh, it, now it says, the Bach has here, um, it should say Tisha B'Av, not Erev Tisha B'Av, like it says here. Um, it should say Tisha B'Av, Haya Umotzei Shabbat, Haya, it was Motzei Shabbat, meaning it was a Sunday, Umotzei Shavi'it Aitan, it was after the Shemitah year, meaning to say that it was, uh, uh, that it was the year, it was the eighth year of the Shemitah cycle, according to Rashi. That's the way that Rashi learns it. Um, it was the watch of Yeho Yeriv, and the Levim were standing on their platform and they were saying the song, what were they saying? That their, uh, uh, their sin should be uh, visited upon them. And they should be destroyed in their wickedness. And they couldn't say it the second time because the Pasuk is, uh, he says it twice before they could say it the second time until uh, before the Gentiles came and conquered them. In other words, they were in the middle of talking about the punishment of the wicked. <clears throat> when, the, when the idolaters came in. Now, the interesting thing is that this is actually not the song for Sunday that it says it is, but it was the, uh, it was the song for Wednesday that they were singing. But apparently that song just came up. They started singing it, the Wednesday song instead of the Sunday song. And it was a poetic justice that at that moment 
the intruders came, invaders came, and uh, attacked the Beit HaMikdash. That wasn't even normally the song they were supposed to be singing. Bechen Bishnia and the same exact setup, the second destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Nilkeda Betar, what is it? How do we know that the Betar was destroyed on Tisha B'Av? Gemara, it's a tradition. Echosh Ha'ir, how do we know that the city was plowed? And that they tell it says, Nebarat HaKishachav, to Rasufos, Rashat Ha'ichal, went to Rasufos, the wicked, destroyed the Ha'ichal, he destroyed the Beit HaMikdash. Nigzora, Gzora, Rabban Gamliel, Lahariga, they wanted to kill Rabban Gamliel. Ba'adon Echad, Be'amad Beit HaMikdash. So a certain noble came to the Beit Midrash and said, The guy with the nose, is is being searched for. We want the guy with the notes. So apparently that was a hint that uh, the important person, we want the important person. Literally meaning the guy with the notes. Right? With the, so, Shemar Aban Gamliel, Azal Tasham Minayu, Azal Gabay, so what happened was that uh, Rabban Gabriel went into hiding and this uh, in- important guy, this important general came and spoke to him in private. He said, if I save you, will you let me go into the Olam Abba? He said, yes. He said, swear to me. He swore to him. So this important guy went to the roof and he jumped off and he committed suicide and he died. And they had a tradition. They had a rule that, uh, the Romans had a rule that uh, if somebody died after they made a decree, the decree would be canceled because they thought it was bad luck or something like that. So therefore, because this nobleman went to the roof and jumped off and killed himself, so Rabban Gamliel was saved. Uh, the a, a divine voice came out and said, "Adon Zem is the one the Olam This great, uh, this general or whatever is uh, go, destined for Olam Haba because he saved Rabban Gamliel from the fate of death. When the Beit Hamikdash was being destroyed the first time, and again here we have a correction in the text that it should say Kishcharav. Okay, uh, that the, the uh, during the destruction, all the young Kohanim were gathering together after Chod Echal Biadan, and they had the keys to the to the sanctuary in their hands. And they went to the roof. And they said, "Master of the world, since we were not good." Uh, treasurers, meaning we didn't take good care of what was in our charge. We want to give you back the keys. They threw them into the air. And a certain like image of a hand came out. Man, and it, 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 man, it accepted the uh, the keys from them. And they jumped into the fire that was consuming the Beit Hamikdash. And about them was Yishayahu lamenting. When he talked about the vision of the uh, uh, of the valley, he said, "Malach efoki alit kulach lagagot." What is it that you've gone up to the roofs? He's describing how the noise and the ruckus of the happy city, but now those who die are not those who die by the sword or who die uh, by war. So this is a, a lament um, of the going up to the roof that they didn't even die in war. They didn't die by the sword, but they died from jumping off the roof in that case. <coughs> When it's talking about Hashem lamenting the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, it says uh, that uh, when it speaks of the, uh, of the lament, and again, this is, uh, this is from Yeshayahu, it says, Mikarkar Kir Vishoa Elahar, that Hashem is uh, wailing and lamenting uh, to the mountain. So it's, uh, the idea is that Hashem is also crying over the terrible destruction that's being inflicted on the people. 
when Av comes, the month of Av comes, uh, and, 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 and by the way, and the reason why it says Har is because the Hashem was lamenting the mountain being the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, that mountain. So the, the destruction is lamented not just by us, but the Navi depicts even Hashem lamenting it. When Av comes, we diminish our joy. Rav just like when Av comes in, we diminish our joy. When Av, when when uh, when Adar comes in, we increase our joy. If a Jew has a court case with a non-Jew, he should try to avoid having that court case take place during Av because he has bad fortune during that time. However, uh, but he should try to make it happen in Adar, because then he has good fortune. And I explained, I explained one time that that doesn't mean that there's actually lucky times or unlucky times, because it's actually against the Torah to believe in lucky or unlucky times. It says, you're not supposed to do that. But what it means is that because it's a time of year where we're sad and we're thinking about the destruction and the distance between us and Hashem, it demoralizes us and we don't do as well in the court case as we would when we're at our best, when we're feeling better. So during Adar, when we're celebrating and thinking about closeness to Hashem and we're inspired, that's the best time to have the uh, court case. It says to give you tikva to give you uh, a an ending and a hope for the future. What is this discussing? It's only here because it's a teaching that comes from the same group of rabbis that we just read about. This is talking about palm trees and linen garments, meaning these are things that. Uh, uh, in Bavil, you'll be able to make money from us. She says that when he says you're going to give that Hashem's going to give you a hope in a future, it's talking about during the Babylonian exile because you'll be able to wear linen clothes and you'll be able to sell the fruits from the palm trees and the uh, date trees that you are uh, planting there. Yeah, that Yitzchak said that Esav's clothing. <coughs> smelled like the smell of the field. It means the smell of a field of apples, which is a good, delicious, sweet smell. The week that Tisha B'Av falls out in, you're not allowed to get a haircut or to do laundry. That's only if you're going to wash the laundry and you're going to wear it. But if you're just going to wash it and leave it for after the fest, it's okay. Or even if you're going to wash it to leave it for after the fest, you're not allowed. The proof that I'm right that you're not allowed to wash clothes even if it's for after the fast, is because the you can see that the uh, that the launderers of the house of Rav stopped working during this week, meaning they didn't wash clothes and get ahead of the game so those clothes would be ready after the uh, fast was over. Because even involvement in washing shows that you're disconnecting from the theme of the time of Tisha B'Av, which shouldn't be involved with washing clothes at all. So you're not even supposed to do it to save for later. Rav Hamnona, Rav Hamnona raised an objection to this. It says, 
On Thursday, it's allowed because of Kavod Shabbat, meaning if Tisha B'Av falls out on a, on a Friday, then on that Thursday, you're allowed to wash clothing and so on for the honor of Shabbat. If you're talking about washing and wearing, it doesn't, it doesn't honor Shabbat to wash and to wear it on Thursday. Right, it's telling you you're allowed to leave it for after the fast. It's talking about leaving it for after the fast. Right, meaning that's another proof for Rav Sheshit actually, that you see that uh, we couldn't be talking about honoring Shabbat by washing it and wearing it on Thursday. We must be washing it and leaving it. Um, so you see that even washing it and leaving it is no, normally not allowed. It's only allowed Lichvot Shabbat. So Le'olam Lichavis Bosh, no. Rav Nachman will come back and say no. Even to wear it, we're talking about actually to wear it. We're talking about washing it to wear it. We're talking about a person who has only one shirt. Because A person who has only one shirt is allowed to wash it even during Cholom White, even when there's also a prohibition on washing clothing because he doesn't have anything else to wear. It's going to get dirty and smelly. He can't keep it on the whole time. So, therefore, you see that it could be that we're talking about a case where the person is allowed to wash it and even wear it. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. We're talking about where a person, we're we're saying that according to Rav Sheshit, in other words, this shows that you're not allowed to wash it even to leave it over for afterwards. And the only time you would be allowed to would be if you're washing it on a Thursday uh, to, uh, to wear it on Shabbat. But according to Rav Nachman, he'll come along and say, no, that even when it said you could wash on Thursday, Lichvot Shabbat, it means to wear it, meaning that you're, a person has only one uh, piece of clothing, so he washes it on Thursday so he can wear it Friday and also Shabbat, but at least it'll be cleaner than it would be if he didn't clean it on Thursday either. And so, so therefore, he still hasn't backed down from his position that, uh, that, that it's possible that it's only prohibited to wash clothes if you're going to wear them during the uh, week of the Shabbat. We learned similarly, we again have an opinion of Rabbi Binyamin in the name of Rabbi Lazar that only washing and wearing it is prohibited, but leaving it over is, until afterwards is okay. Made the an objection. It says right in the Brayta that you're not allowed to wash clothing on the week of the Shabbat to wear it after the Shabbat. And our fine cleaning, like our sort of dry cleaning level, is like their washing. In other words, the washing that they would do is. Uh, uh, in uh, when when their their uh, regular washing is much more thorough than our regular washing, our like dry cleaning is equivalent to their washing. It's saying that in Israel the what was called gihut, so it was called like pressing or almost like dry cleaning, was the equivalent of the washing in Bavil. But the regular washing that was done in Eretz Israel was not good enough. It wasn't as high enough quality to qualify really as washing. Now uklepishtan. And linen garments, there is no, uh, there's no concept even of gihuts for that. In other words, you can't even do any pressing or dry cleaning on linen. So it would be allowed to be cleaned is what it sounds like it means. Or as she says, right? So therefore, you wouldn't be prohibited at all to clean the, uh, uh, the clothing, the linen clothing, according to that interpretation. That's the inter- that's one interpretation, the interpretation of Rashi here. That it means that linen garments, you don't have to, uh, there's no restriction on cleaning them at all. Another interpretation is that there's no distinction on the different levels of cleaning, and even a regular cleaning is prohibited for them. Anyway, Shalach Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Giuri Mishmeh Rabbi Yochanan. 
Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Giuri sent a message in the name of Rabbi Yochanan as follows. Even though linen garments, we said they don't have a concept of fine cleaning. But you still can't wear clean linen clothing during the week of Tisha B'Av. Even if you would be allowed to clean it, you can't wear such clothing during the week of Tisha B'Av. If Tisha B'Av falls out on a Wednesday, Thursday and Friday are permitted in all these things. It's only up to Tisha B'Av this prohibition. According to, according to Shmuel, the entire week is prohibited. So even if the Shabbat falls out on a Sunday or falls out on a Tuesday, the entire week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's all going to be prohibited in uh, washing, clothing, and in haircuts as well. There is an objection. The week that Shabbat falls in, you're not allowed to get a haircut and you're not allowed to clean clothing but you can do that on Thursday if you need to for Shabbat if the Tisha B'Av falls out on Sunday so then you're allowed to clean clothing and get a haircut the entire week because Tisha B'Av is already over when it comes to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday up to the fast day is prohibited in, wa- in washing clothing and taking haircuts after the fast day it's permitted Right, if Shabbat falls on on a Friday, you're allowed to wash clothing on Thursday in honor of Shabbat. And in fact, if you needed really to do some kibbutz, you needed to clean some clothing in honor of Shabbat, and you missed that Thursday, and Shabbat was on a Friday, you could even do it on Friday afternoon, late in the day, if you needed for Shabbat. However, light uh, ala that Abaye cursed the person, and some say it was Abba Yaakov, cursed anyone who would do such a thing, who would on Tisha B'Av in the afternoon actually be cleaning clothing. If Tisha B'Av falls out on a Monday or a Thursday, you have a full three aliyot to the Torah, and one is a maftir, right? If it falls out on Tuesday or Thursday, I'm sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday, where you don't normally have the Torah reading, so you read, you have one person read, and he is the, he is the maftir. Right. In other words, you don't have any extra aliot. Rabbi Yossi No, Rabbi Yossi says you always have three readers with one of them being the maftir, tiufta, and that is a tiufta de Shmuel that rejects Shmuel. Why does it reject Shmuel? Not because of the Torah reading part. Now, according to the Tanakh Kama, there's always three aliot on Tisha B'Av, and that's how we have today. According to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, according to the Tanakh Kama, there's only three aliot when it's on a Monday or Thursday, but if it's on any other day of the week, then where there wouldn't normally be a Torah reading, we have only one aliyah. According to Rabbi Yossi, uh, we always have three aliot on Tisha B'Av, no matter what day of the week it falls out on. But the main point here was that we see that this Brayta says that after after the fast passes, the rest of the week you're permitted to do whatever you want. The restrictions don't go past Tisha B'Av. They only go up to Tisha B'Av. But Shmuel, Amalek Shmuel, Shmuel will say it's actually a machloket Tanaim. The Tanaim says in the Bible, Tisha B'Av shechaliyot b'Shabbat. If Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbat, v'chein erev Tisha B'Av shechaliyot b'Shabbat. Or if erev Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbat, right? Ochel v'shutekot soko malal shulchano afilu kesudash lomo b'Shato. If the if Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbat, so meaning that now you're going to observe it on Sunday, so you can eat and drink whatever you want on that day. Um, similarly, if Erev Tisha B'Av is on Shabbat, in other words, that the Tisha B'Av is going to be on Sunday, in both these cases, they're going to be on Sunday, right? So you can eat and drink as much as you want at the Suda. But you're not allowed to cut your hair or to do any laundering from Rosh Chodesh until the fast day. That's according to Rabbi Yehuda. The entire month you can't get a haircut or clean your clothes. And according to Rabbi Shemav Ben Gamliel, only that week 
is prohibited. So we're interpreting that to mean that the entire week is prohibited, meaning both before and after the um, the fast is prohibited. Now, v'tani yidach one another another right that v'nohega filu meosh chodesh av evel sorry v'nohega evel meosh chodesh adatani you have to observe morning from rosh chodesh av until the fast day of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda says kol chodesh kolu asur. Rabbi Yehuda says the entire month. Rabban Shmuel Gamliel Omer eno asur ela otash bilvad. According to Rabban Shmuel Gamliel, that entire week is prohibited, but uh, the month not, and go and you don't have to go all the way back to rosh chodesh av either. Am Rabbi Yochanan Shosham Chadarshu. They all learn it from one pasuk dichti. Veishbatia kol mesos. It says I'm going to get rid of all of the joy, uh, all the joy of uh, of the Jewish people. It's holiday, it's month, and it's Shabbat. So what does that mean? So the uh, one that says you go from Rosh Chodesh Av until the fast day learns it from Mechaga. From the word Chagah, I'm going to get rid of its holiday. Meaning, then, what is a Chag? A Chag is a seven-day... I'm sorry, a Chag is a Rosh Chodesh. So, therefore, you're going to start from Rosh Chodesh. In other words, it's going to ruin your Rosh Chodesh. Hashem said, I'm going to take away the joy of your Rosh Chodesh. Meaning, you start from Rosh Chodesh Av to diminish the Simcha. Um, the fact that one person says that the entire month is prohibited in cutting hair and uh, cleaning clothing comes from the word Chodesh. It's month. In other words, I'm going to ruin your month. So I'm going to ruin your holiday, meaning your Rosh Chodesh. That would just be the first nine days of the month. But then it says, you, I'm going to ruin your month. So that, that Rabbi Yudah's interpreting is meaning that the entire month you have to have restrictions of mourning. And uh, and the one that says that, no, it's only the week, gets it from Mishabata, from your Shabbat is going to be ruined. In other words, that the week is going to be ruined. Um so he says both of them are for leniency. We hold like Rabban Shabbat and Gamliel, and we hold like uh, Rabbi Meir. How so? Because if I just told you that you would think that you have to start observing the prohibitions from Rosh Chodesh till the fast day. That's why I'm telling you, you no, know, it only goes by the week of Tisha B'Av, not going all the way back to the month of Av. If I told you we follow Rabban Shem Gamliel, then you would have thought, like Rabban Shem Gamliel says, that not only do the prohibitions apply prior to the fast day, but even after the fast day. So if Tisha B'Av is on a Tuesday, you still can't cut your hair or uh, do laundry for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, according to that. So that's why it comes along to tell you that that we only go up to the fast day. So there are two issues. One issue is what's the period of time that's prohibited in terms of mourning, and the other one is when does it stop? So, uh, so if you hold that it, uh, you, you could hold that it starts from the beginning of the month and it stops at the fast day, or it's the week of, or it's the month of. If you say it's the week of, so then what happens is the question is: Is the week of only up to the fast, or even beyond that? Now, Rabbi Shmuel Gamaliel sounds like he means it's the whole week. What, no matter what day of that week Tisha B'Av falls out on, the, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir is the only one who's clearly saying it's from Rosh Chodesh until the fast. You never go past the fast. So we're taking the leniencies of both. We're saying we're only going to go for a week of mourning, not for nine days, and we're going to 
say that once you hit the fast day and the fast is over, that the, the morning has also completed and has run its course. And the halacha, of course, is exactly like this, for, at least for Sfaradim. Our halacha is we only follow the Shavuot Shechal Av up to Tisha Av we observe the restrictions. Then we're permitted to uh, return to regular life. Ashkenazim generally follow the idea of Rabbi Meir, which is that the nine days from Rosh Chodesh until Tisha Av are the days where the restrictions apply. There's more we're going to see about what these restrictions are and what the parameters are in the upcoming shiur.